Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, where you can go right now, join the Best Ball Mania 3 tournament, $10 million prize pool, $2 million up top to the winner of this thing, $1 million to second place. I can't believe the kind of cash that's being tossed around. Uh, draft your team, no waivers, no trades, no anything like that. You have fun, you draft the team, and then you sit back and you let the best players uh, get put into your starting roster each week. You can use the promo code ROSTER there at Underdog Fantasy at sign up for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Joining us here today on the pod, one of my great friends that I see at all the NFL offseason events and a dude who's just super talented in a number of different ways. He is with CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ covering the NFL and college football. He is a college football broadcaster on uh, some of the ESPN affiliates, ESPN3, etc. You can find him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. His name is Emery Hunt, and he's coming on today because he has released the Football Game Plan 2022 Draft Guide, which basically is – he showed it to me before. Do you want to show him, Emery, just real quick, just how thick that thing is if you want to print it out? There's 1,000 different prospects of things to sign. For those of you who are, who are listening and not watching, the thing is the size of like a King James version of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Emery, after all that, what, what the hell is going on, brother? Not much, man. Just, you know, love, love the game of football, just talking ball. Um, I have, you know, to be honest, I have a USFL TV show as well. So I'm locked into anything football related. So glad to be here. Oh, man. What's well, awesome to have you on here. And of course, we should remind the people uh, there's there's links to the draft guide on your Twitter at FBall Game Plan, but they can also go directly to download it. Uh, it's uh, footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. And that'll take you directly to it. As Emory said, uh, 1,000 different profiles. Nobody's more locked in than Emory during the period leading up to the draft simply because I don't think anybody, <laughs> anybody writes more content than he does. And so it's just really good to have him on and talk about some of these uh, rookie landing spots. We're going to talk about the truth about these rookie landing spots and what it really matters because Emory, as we talked about it earlier, I asked you, I said, you know, uh, before we go on, uh, I plan on ordering the uh, 2022 draft guide from footballgameplan.com. Again, footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. But I don't have it on, on hand yet. I asked you who your top five wide receivers were, so I could kind of ask you about it. And you started going into the nuance of how you break this stuff down. So can you tell me who your top guys are and also explain to the listeners a little bit about how you divvy these things up and sort of um, – sort of your method all your methodology for ranking wide receivers yeah when, when i look at the position it's hard to rank a randy moss next to a cole beasley because <laughs> they're going to be playing different positions um and yeah some guys can cross over and play a lot of different positions you want to you like that versatility for those guys so i break down my positions in split ends which are your x receivers your flankers which are your z receivers slot receivers and what i like to call inside wide receivers which are sort of a cross between slot and split in. These are more your physical guys that can bang over the middle of the field uh, and, and have you know good ability in working themselves open versus contact. So I, I break it down in those four categories. So number one split in is Drake London out of USC. You know, he was outstanding to me. He is someone that just plays. If you just sub out his uniform and put him in, uh, it, um, 
homeboy for Tampa Bay. Um, Mike Evans. Mike Evans uniform, same dude, you know, and mm-hmm. so big, big fan of what he does. And, you know, he had a hit a high grade for me. And, you know, he was tied with Chris Olave, who was my who can be considered my one B at that position. But I gave the nod to London. So you um, so, so you have you have you have Chris Olave at X. As an X, right? Because he's a, he's a nice right route runner, does a great job in working himself open. He's arguably the most polished receiver uh, oh, in yeah. the class, you know. And so my flanker is your more explosive, dynamic talent, the one that could just legit fly down the field. To me, that at my number one there is uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I felt like he was someone that was just outstanding, consistently. Uh, at North Dakota State, and it showed that he didn't care about playing up in you know the competition at the Senior Bowl. He was excellent out there. In fact, him and Malik Willis had their best day on the worst day out there when it was you know. You know <laughs> yeah, you know. He wasn't dropping the ball. Malik was throwing it like it was seventy-five degrees. So he was my number one flanker. Jamison Williams is my number one slot guy. Um, okay, so you have you have Jamison Williams projected to be in the be in the slot. I like him as an inside guy. I think he, you know, he is someone that that runs away from coverage because of that speed. And if you go by my grade that I have in my guide, uh, he's actually my number one overall receiver by half a point. Um, but Jameson Williams to me was the the put him inside, let him run away from coverage. You ain't catching him. He is tremendous. And my number one inside receiver was Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. I felt like he is a little bit more physical than people gave him credit for. I, I when I talked to him at the combine, um, uh, on on stage with CBS, we were like, I told him, I was like, listen, you have the most arrogant hands in a class. Like, you really believe you can catch every ball thrown your way. Yeah, yeah. And I like that about your game. And, and that's something that he really goes up there and showcases. He's 185 pounds, but he plays like he's 220, in my opinion. Uh, so those are my top receivers by collective grade, uh, but also by how I slotted them. Well, a couple uh, – so interesting. So one notable omission well, – Okay, so there's a lot I want to talk about with there. One about Garrett Wilson's hands, and you know, I, I mean, I've been follow. I live, I live like Lake Travis is just right down the hill from me here. So like, I grew up. I mean, I guess I I watched Garrett Wilson grow up, and then you know, going to college and stuff. I've always loved him. His hands, I feel like they're terrific. They remind me of Odell Beckham hands. Um, did you get worried at all with there were some drops? I mean, they these you know the like the hands catches. The catches away from the body, just the stuff where it's just it's just so crazy, right? You're like, this guy's not gonna drop a thing, but then you go back. There were some kind of you know, some concentration drops. Do or what seemed like concentration drops. Is that how you saw them, or does that have anything to do with the I know that as a scout and stuff, you probably look at the way he frames the ball and things like is there anything he needs to improve on in that area? Because with me, it looks like a guy who's super twitched up, a guy who has unbelievable just hand-eye coordination and things like that. Maybe he just needs to just – do you feel like he just needs to get it all a little bit more refined? Maybe if you have a little bit less um, – uh, just maybe have a little bit less like um, hair on fire sort of uh, style to his locomotion. Like what do, you th- what do you think it was and did the drops issue bother you at all? Look, I didn't see an issue with the drops, to, to be honest. You know, okay. if you if you have great hand-eye coordination, I, I, I could trust you catch the football. Those concentration drops, you know, there's a difference between those drops and – and having bad hands. So if, once you don't have bad hands, you're going to drop a pass every now and then. Uh, for me, it was mostly for him, you know, being able to consistently get off bump press. I think he has to do a better job there. 
Uh, he doesn't really create as much separation despite being a speedster. Um, guys are willing to, are able to stay lockstep with him. So his route running can be a little bit more improved in that area, which will then help his separation, which will then help him maximize that four three speed that he has. So that, those were the, the issues I had for him um, more so than anything. The catching is where it needs to be. You know, the, the sense of timing is where it needs to be uh, after the catch is where it needs to be. So all of those things he does really well. So if we're talking about the bump press, and of course we're here with Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook. So we're trying to dive a little deeper here about the truth about these landing spots. I mean, if we, how do you see Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and all the, you know, Corey Davis and all the rest of these guys kind of coming together as a wide receiver group? And if there is that issue with, you know, the bump press, if he's going to be overcoming that, do you see Garrett Wilson initially kind of, lining up in the slot. I know that they just signed Braxton Berrios to a new deal, but I mean, who cares about Berrios if you got Garrett Wilson, I, I guess. Um, what, what do you think? And how does that line up with what you've seen out of Zach Wilson so far? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Zach Wilson progresses this year because they have an assortment of weapons. I've said this before on paper, just by talent alone, um, they have more talent on paper on both sides of the ball than the New England Patriots do. In my opinion, isn't that crazy to even say? Yeah, right. To, 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 like <laughs> you from feel a, like a madman saying it, you feel right? Like so you have to preface it just by talent alone, you know. And so we know other factors, you know, go into that. But you know, for for Zach Wilson, he has a lot of he has a guy that can go take the top off the defense. Uh, you know, I feel like in Corey Davis, you know, someone that can, you know, but also can play the catch and run game. I feel like Wilson can play the catch and run game. We know Elijah Moore can play the catch and run game. Oh, yeah. um, so I feel like they have, if they can get the, if the game plan can look like, I know it's preseason, but if the game plan can look like it looked during the preseason, when he looked to have a great grasp on things, just getting the football out of his hands quickly into some targets, just you know racking up completions, then they'll be just fine. Where he got into trouble in the, in the fall or during the regular season was when, you know, he was trying to do too much. Just go get completions and let the playmakers make the plays. If he can get back to that and get out that playmaking mentality and only make the plays that are, are there for you to make, um, then this offense could be fine. So I don't see any problem from Wilson to, you know, Moore to all those guys. Even Mims can play too uh, once he gets out the doghouse. So I just feel like they have more than enough talent uh, for Zach Wilson to be productive. If, if you were coaching these guys or if you were just in a production meeting with the coaches before a game and you like and you had to choose one, who would you rather have play inside and who would you rather have play outside between Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore? I'd rather have uh, – that's a great question. I'd rather have Moore play inside because he's shifty and he's one of those guys that can run away from coverage. I feel like – because, again, as an inside receiver, you're a cross between a slot and a, and a, a split in. So mm-hmm. my – so I feel like, you know, he can play on the outside – and give you someone that could win, uh, you know, one-on-one and make the catch. So he's going to be a good contested catch player as well. So for me, I'd rather have the speed. Normally I want the speed on the outside. That'll pull the safeties away and mm-hmm. have the size on the inside. But in this case, when you have, you know, speed guys like Moore and, and Wilson, Wilson, you can get creative <laughs> yeah. in how you uh, deploy that. So I would probably lean more to Moore on the inside than Wilson. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be it'll you got speed everywhere when you got those two when you got those two on your hands. So what about to, uh, no no mention of Traylon Burks? Um, 
as far as your top guys at each position. And I'm wondering, do you have him because he played so much slot at the college level? Do you have him as one of these inside receivers? Do you have him projected as an X? How do you have Traylon Burks and what was your book on him? Also, what do you think about the um, what do you think about the landing spot there? Do you think he can just come in and automatically be the next AJ Brown? Yeah, that's 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 my comp for him as AJ Brown. Um, he's my number five slot receiver with an 82 grade. So I, I definitely have a high grade on him. Um, I just feel like he's more of a slot receiver, big slot. Uh, and and that's a good thing. You know, I, I, I kind of envisioned him being paired up with A.J. Brown, but they got rid of A.J. Brown and got a, a, a younger version of A.J. Brown. Um, so for me, he was someone that, you know, he's a, he can play the catch and run game. Uh, he plays physical. You know, he can win physical. And he also has underrated tracking ability of the football you always think back to that arkansas a&m game where you know the deep ball goes down the field you say oh that's kind of overthrown nope he was able to close on it and then pull away he had numerous plays like that uh for arkansas he had one against alabama i believe he had one against missouri so he's someone that can do it all like that but for me um you know because he was actually do so much at arkansas a lot of the nuance needs to be cleaned up because he was asked to play on the outside. He was asked to tote the rock. He was asked to, you know, play inside. Um, so finding a home for him and having him master one spot is probably where his area of improvement is as a pro. Do you think that, just as you've observed these guys through your career, do you think that he's capable of doing that in year one? Do you think it's going to take a while for Traylon Burks? And, God, if it does, what else do the Titans he really – really have i mean do you think that they're going to use him in a because all right i mean they're, they're they're getting robert woods back but other than that i mean it's guys like nick westbrook akina stuff like that do you think that woods will play outside and burks will play in the slot or just play or maybe just play in whatever positions they dial up to where maybe they just dial things up to get him the football yeah i think that's going to be the case he's not going to be relegated to you know i have to only play on the outside it's going to be sort of a you know, game day matchup situation. Where can they best exploit the defense? Because you're right, they do have Robert Woods out there who is a problem uh, to deal with on game day, you know, for any defense. So that kind of opens things up for Burks to be a, a bit of a move piece for their offense. So I see him having an impact year one. Okay. Uh, and then you mentioned, I think that with, I think that with, um, London, that's e that's easy. So, I mean, of course he's the of course he's your number one ex. Um, I th I think with Olave, it's kind of kind of interesting that you have him as an ex because generally what people say about X wide receivers and what the what the common refrain that you'll hear from people who um um kind of hobbyists in this space will talk about well you can't play X if you don't have the physicality to get off press at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. The, the knock that some of the analytics community has had on Chris Olave, even though I feel like his stems at the line of scrimmage are really good. I don't think he's going to have any problem getting off of any sort of press there at the line of scrimmage, but people talk about the fact that he only forced four missed tackles last year. He's not physical. He's like all this stuff. Like that's what you hear. Well, I can see your kind of smile about that. Like, I mean, just what do you what do you think about the idea that somebody might say Olave out of all these positions you have him slotted in as an X? What about the criticisms from him that he's not tough enough? It's I think that's far removed because if you watch him run block, he's very active in run blocking, mm -hmm. and that ties right into your toughness and want to. So I have no problem with that. Now off the line of scrimmage, you're right about his 
ability to win with his feet. That's why you don't really get too caught up in how guys use their hands. And if there is one nitpick about his game, it, it is using his hands a little bit more aggressively at the line of scrimmage. But it probably could also tie into him gaining more weight and, and being able to, to bulk up a little bit. He's 183, I believe, 189. I feel like he can get to 195 um, mm-hmm. and not speed and explosiveness. And the reason why I love the situation is because let's say Michael Thomas comes back. He's going to be the Saints bona fide X, right? Now you have a lot playing sort of off the line of scrimmage as your Z. And with that free or release off the line with his speed and Jameis Winston ability to hit the deep ball. There you go. You know, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect combination of what our quarterback does well to what we're going to ask of him to do out there on the field. And you can grow and develop in the nuance of getting off bump press, uh, adding more strength to your game. But I love the physicality that he plays with within the run game. And he has great hands, great route running, all of those things. It was very hard to find, uh, you know, in, uh, a weakness, so to speak, within his game. Um, but, you know, you do have that that he has to work on. But for the most part, this dude is pretty clean as a prospect. Oh, yeah, he's so good. And and isn't it weird, Emery, that like – we're talking about Chris Olave. He's your like he's your field stretcher. Like he's your lid. He's your lid lifter. And and like that's great, right? We love that. But then watch his tape, and like he's the best route. I think he's the best route runner in their class. And he and he reminds you of like a you know a faster version of Keenan Allen or something with the way he's able to separate. So you're you're like get a you get two different prototypes of player here. You get the lid lifting type and then you also get the guy who's going to be able to get open at the intermediate levels. I think that I think that his skill set really, really presents really, really well for for an NFL player. Um the I think the one that's going to raise the most eyebrows is that you have Christian Watson as your number one Z and there's a big uh uh, there's a big kind of kerfuffle. Is that what they say? I've, I guess I've never used that word before. There's a there's a there's a there's a lot of fighting in the streets in the dynasty streets about whether these guys want to take a Christian Watson or Sky Moore at the end of the first round of dynasty leagues, just because both were players that people really liked, had good profiles coming out. Sky Moore mainly for his production profile. Christian Watson for his production profile within the context of the North Dakota state offense was actually really good. Like they just didn't throw the ball much. Um, So from a market share perspective, Christian Watson's right up there too, but it was the testing for Christian Watson and the, and the speed score and the size adjusted speed. Um, Do you, do you think that Christian Watson is, why do you think he's destined for the Z and not for the X? And then how do you juxtapose your um, evaluation on Watson versus your evaluation on Sky Moore? Because even though that might not be something where you could have them back-to-back in your rankings or anything, it's it's a it's a constant fight that's going on right now in fantasy and a dynasty, which of these rookies they like better, the two that fell to the elite situations that are from small schools. For, for me, Watson was someone, um, you know, because he, he, he's a little bit more wiry. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he bulked up to 211. You hope that's the case moving forward because he was just about 200 something pounds uh, in college, which is why he wasn't as clean getting off the line of scrimmage had, you know, a little bit issues working through press coverage and physical coverage. Um, But if he got past you, he was able to stack you and accelerate. Uh, So that's why I think more so as a flanker, put him on a move, let him just fly. You know, he was also using the wide receiver run game a lot at North State. So 
for a tall guy that returned kickoffs that also was used as a, a in a run game. You know, he's the he got a lot of versatility, in my opinion. So that's why I have him higher than than Moore. Moore is my number seven slot guy. And um, for Moore, you know, it's about uh, you know, he has the I have here in my notes why he does have a really good release and quickness off the ball. He struggles to separate from press coverage or tight man coverage on a consistent basis. That's not necessarily what you want to hear about a slot guy. You expect your slot guy to be explosively quick in all directions and make a play. Now, granted, a lot of slot guys can function also as, you know, a Z. So maybe he's better suited not playing slot where you kind of want to read coverage on the fly, work yourself open quick and find a way. Maybe he's more along the line of a Christian Watson in terms of that regard. But I feel like Watson gives you more bang for your buck, uh, more so than someone like Moore, who I, like I said, number seven slot guy, who I do like. So number seven slot guy, meaning you have seven slot receivers ahead of Sky Moore? Yeah, six. I have six. So Jamison Williams and five others in front of Sky Moore is that slot guys? I'll tell you right now, Jamison Williams, Calvin Austin, Wondell Robinson, Jahad Dotson, Traylon Burks, and Josh Johnson of Tulsa. Big fan. Josh of Johnson. Can you talk to us about Josh Johnson of Tulsa? Josh Johnson, I mean, getting exposed to him first at the NFL PA game. I'm like, no, not the NFL PA, the Shrine game. I was out there too. I was like, wow, this dude is explosive out of his break. And if you just glance right away, you're like, wow, is that Antonio Brown? You know, how explosive he is snapping out of a cut. Um, and then you go watch the game. It was funny. I, I, one of the games I watched was because I watched three games of a prospect. I watched the Ohio State game, and I'm just like, wow, I've never seen a receiver. No wonder receivers are frustrated. I've never seen someone open all game long with no targets coming his way. And it's like, wow, this dude is consistently open. Mm-hmm. And so when they finally go his way, he's able to make the play and make something happen. Um, but this is a guy that is quickly able to separate himself from coverage. And whether it's at an all-star game, in a real game, he's explosive and dynamic and quick. Uh, so for me, he's an underrated player. I think he was an undrafted free agent. And um, he's gonna he ended up somewhere where he's got a ch- he's got a shot. So for me, is is that type of ability working yourself open quickly versus zone, um, or even man, and then settling down, snapping off that route. That's why I have someone like Johnson you know, slightly ahead of Sky Moore. They have the same grade, but because of his ability to to be explosive in all directions is why I have him, you know, six and not seven. Looks like, and he's going to a good, he's going to a good wide receiver room. I mean, he's going to be good. He's, he's, he's going to Detroit as an undrafted free agent. So he'll be going up against your number one slot guy. <laughs> so hopefully that didn't hold him back too much, but they don't, I mean, besides, I guess they brought in DJ Chark. They'll have Josh Reynolds back. They got Amon Ross St. Brown. But other than that, really not too much to speak of there. It should, you know, I'm just I'm looking now. I just I just kind of looked it up to see what some of the news reports are saying about him. And there's titles from like The Athletic and Sports Illustrated and stuff saying like that, like these free agents will make the Lions roster and stuff. So it looks like it looks like a lot of people are kind of in on him. And as I look at the production profile for Josh Johnson, I mean, he as far as our total production scores, I mean, he had 82 catches for 1087 last year, and the six touchdowns doesn't necessarily seem like a ton, but that was one third of that whole team's receiving touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, so it's like that guy was really a huge part, really a huge part of the Tulsa 
Tulsa offense. I mean, 34% of the – so that was 34% of the reception, 34% receiving yards, 33% of the receiving touchdowns. He is a playmaker, man. He's yeah. open. Go watch the Ohio State game. You'll see a dude that's open all day, but just kind of like at some point they're going to throw the football my way. All right, so Josh Johnson, we'll just take him as your sleeper there among the wide receivers. Um, let's just talk quickly about running backs. I'm, I'm mindful of your time, and I, I know I got to get you out of here, Emory. But um, do, at the very top, is it any different for you than it is for the fantasy community, where it goes Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then a big fall to the next guy? Is that how you have it, or do you, or do you have it differently? I have it differently. I have okay. Jay Sean Corbin was my number one back. Jay Sean Corbin was your number one back. Okay. We, I, I gotta hear about it. So, okay, that's that is that is off the radar of a lot of what the dynasty community is thinking right now. Um, tell us what it is that you like in Corbin. What it is that you saw the Florida State redshirt junior, five eleven, two hundred and two pounds. Um, it looks like his production profile, as far as his. Uh, as far as his receiving, that's kind of what really stands out. 12% market share of team receptions last year. We know how important that is to the NFL these, these, these days. Yeah, and Corbin, to me, had the perfect marriage of vision, footwork, elusiveness, and explosiveness. And all of those things are just dynamic when you're talking about the running back position. Can you create without volume? He can do that. Can you be your own blocker? He can do that. Can you make the play? the explosive play. He can do that. Now he lands in a situation where he's going to be a complimentary guy behind Saquon Barkley. I look at that depth chart. He's already their second best back, you know, so he has a legitimate shot to really fly up that depth chart during training camp and preseason um, because he is someone that has a great vision and a great footwork to make it happen. And, you know, so for me, he was someone that just did it all consistently, even though he didn't get what you expected him to get at Florida state. Because of their offense, like, again, he had a 90-yard touchdown run uh, against Notre Dame and barely saw the football the second half. It's like, if this dude just yeah. ran for a 90-yard touchdown run, why are we not keep giving him the football, right? So that's why he, he was just number one. He just constantly was checking those boxes for me. And number two, I had Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M, you know, who reminded me a lot of Jeremy Hill before the Cincinnati Bengals when he played for them. Um that's an interesting comp that I that I hadn't heard yet. You hear like the Yeldon stuff and things like Jeremy Hill's an interesting one. Because Jeremy Hill and Spiller had fantastic hands. And I'm mm -hmm. talking about down the field ability as a receiver. And I think that's where he he uh makes his hay and he landed in a great spot with the Chargers because for the longest Austin Eckler has been telling people, hey, you know, I'm not a you know down and down out back, man. I need compliment, I need a compliment, and he got him the perfect compliment. Uh, so I have Spiller at two and Brees Hall at three, but they both have the same grade. Big fan of Brees Hall. He's kind of a throwback to me, kind of reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Curtis Martin and how he ran. You know, it, it may not look great, but it was productive and he's consistent. He's probably the most durable back in the class. Um, so big fan of him going to the Jets because he's going to have that. He's going to be the lead guy out, allow Michael Carter to be that explosive comp guy. And both guys should really take a lot of the pressure off of Zach Wilson. And uh, uh, number four is I was a big Kyron William guy. You know, I, I don't care what he ran in Indy. He plays faster than what he ran, you know, and he is someone mm -hmm. that has the ability to do a lot of the things that Corbin did. And every it's funny. Every year we talk about, well, can this back, you know, be on the field on, on third down? Can he pass pro? Well, he's the best guy in the draft class in doing so probably the last two classes in pass pro 
So you can definitely feel comfortable having him out there. And right on my top five is Amir White out of Georgia. I just think he has Frank Gore written all over him. Um, I know the Raiders also brought in some more backs too, but man, you know, White is someone that I'm a big fan of. Root for the kid, but also love the ability as a player. Speaking of Frank Gore, and of course we're here, uh, I'm going to have to let Emory go because he has, he has a heart out here in a minute, but you can find him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Please, please, please go to footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. Go give that a look. Support our good friend Emory, man. He works really, really hard on this. At Roster Watch, you know how hard we work and hustle always identifies hustle, man. We identify Emory as a dude who's out there really, really working his ass off a decade ago. So if you could, if you could just support him, man, we would, we really appreciate it. All right. Um, and, and, and again, that's footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. All right. Hey, speaking of Frank Gore, they uh, just a couple quick things. Speaking of Frank Gore, the, when I heard the 49ers press conference, um, the man, they were crazy about Tyrion Davis price. Um, what did you think about him and what do you think about the comps that some of the people in the media were saying behind the scenes? Now they haven't said it publicly, but some of the people behind the scenes, the brass was saying that Tyrion Davis price reminded them of a little bit of Frank Gore. Does that, does that uh, comp make sense to you? And and where did you have um, TDP? He was my 34th running back. So way off the board. Yeah. He was, he was someone that was, I feel like is a good complimentary back, like, and going to San Francisco, they're going to ask him to be that, you know, he's going to pair up with Elijah Mitchell, uh, Trey Sermon, the, you know, if he ever gets out there. Um, so I, I feel like he's a more of a burst E guy as mm-hmm. opposed to the, as an explosive speed guy. And, you know, he had everyone's focus on the game he had against Florida, but when you look at him across the scope of his career, it's kind of like, okay, he got good vision, good, but you know, just a good solid back. Um, I feel like he's more of a number two. Than a, a a bona fide number one. Is is Amir White gonna turn into a better NFL runner than Josh Jacobs has become? I think so because Amir White has explosiveness. Jacobs was I thought Jacobs got a little bit too overhyped going to the draft. I wasn't as high on Jacobs. Um, I feel like because he didn't have that long speed, wasn't gonna be a chunk play gainer, um, put the ball on the ground a lot, uh, was also banged up a bit. And so all of those things that show, showed itself um, you know, it, as a pro. Samir White, I feel like, has gotten back to what we saw from him coming out of high school. And that's a dangerous thing. You know, someone that was super explosive, gets better with every carry, uh, but also has shown that he could play without volume because he had to at Georgia. All right. And one last one. So Kenny, Kenny Walker, KW3, not not in your top five. Where, where do you have him? He was my um, RB10. So he RB had a 76, 10. he was 76 grade, right? So we talked about the five. I had CJ Verdell ahead of him at nine, Sincere McCormick at eight, um, Jerome Ford at seven, and Tyler Algier at number six. So for me, Walker is a very good back, good balance, good body control. Um, and it's funny because I compare Walker to Josh Jacobs. Uh, so the one thing, I, you know, he's not a, a explosive burst guy. I know he ran a 4 3, and people will paint, point, oh, he had. This insert large run, but mm-hmm. from a fluidity standpoint, is is not as consistent, um, and it's more of a you know broken play type big run. Um, but to his credit, he has shown that he can handle the load. He can also uh, you know catch the ball out of the backfield. He's pretty solid in that in that regard. Don't doesn't have the top tier athleticism. Um, pass pro needs a little bit of work. I hate the situation for him. Because it's like 
we've seen this play out before. When, just when you got excited by the Seahawks drafting uh, Rashad Penny, they throw Chris Carson in front of him. Now you get excited about Rashad Penny, and they draft Kenneth Walker. Well, is yeah, so it's like, what are they going to do out there in that backfield? So um, I, I, I hate that situation for him because he's a pretty solid back. 